0: Acts chapter 4, and we're going to continue on just in uh, this series of God's plan for these times. Uh, This is the fourth part, although we haven't done it every week, but this is the fourth part of that series. The subtitle this morning is Great Power and Great Grace. God's plan for these times. Acts chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 29 uh, through uh, to verse 33. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Once you're there, we'll read God's Word together. Acts 4 verse 29. We'll stand for the reading of God's Word. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by by stretching forth thine hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So, Lord, this morning we pray for your anointing, for the Holy Ghost, Lord, to come upon us afresh, that you would fill every person in this room with the power of your Spirit. Lord, we pray that great power, great power, and great grace would be upon your church in these days. Lord, touch your people, Lord, again. O oh God, by thy mighty hand, Lord, we pray, make bare thy great arm, Lord, for the saving of souls, for the delivering of those that are oppressed, for the healing of the sick, Lord, for the binding of every wound, Lord, show Thyself strong in the behalf of Thy people. Lord, have Your way upon us this morning and in us and through us, through the preaching of Your Word, through the hearing of Your Word. Lord, but we ask for the Holy Ghost to come. Have Your way this morning. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Praise the Lord. You may take your seats. Amen. You know, in these few verses, in Acts chapter 4, we have another visitation by the Holy Ghost into this gathering of the people of God. They know that they'd already encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God was poured out into that upper room They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues, and then again, up against this great Roman Empire that was against them, this great political system that was against them, and this great religious system that was against them, they gathered again into this upper room to pray and to seek the Lord. If you just, I just want to point out a few things. Uh, before we go back in the judges this morning, but a few things that happened here. Number one, they prayed. There was a great threat that was against them and they knew that if they gathered together as the people of God in the name of Jesus and began to seek the Lord and to pray that we serve a God that hears our prayers and that God that answers. And so they prayed and then it says that the Holy Ghost filled every one of them that was in that room. Actually tells us even the very building where they were sitting began to shake with the power and the presence of the Lord. This is the God that we serve. Praise the Lord. This is the God that we serve. He hears the cry of his people, he responds, he comes in all his power and his glory, he fills every vessel that was in that upper room, the very room itself, think about it this morning, the very place where they were sitting began to shake and tremble at the very presence and the power of Almighty God. Is it not our cry and our prayer that God would do it again? That God would just break through that God would come down in the midst of all that's happening and everything of what we see unfolding, we'll look at it. But oh, for a visitation of God. The Holy Ghost came down and filled everyone that was in that room. The very place was shaken under the power of God. God, there was a visitation of God. Over oh, a visitation of the Lord, a visitation of the power of the Holy Spirit that says, as a result of that visitation, they speak the word of God boldly. There was a boldness that came in. They weren't timid or intimidated or, or weak in the world that, that detested them and threatened them and would, would imprison them, and some would die for their faith, but they weren't afraid of what was happening around them. They weren't intimidated by the powers of darkness. They weren't intimidated by the religious systems or the or the governmental systems or the, the great empire, that great Roman empire. They weren't afraid because they knew in whom they had believed in. Yes. And they speak the word of God, the Bible tells us, with boldness. There was something wonderful amongst them. They had a unity of heart and soul. There was, we've just read, they had one heart and they had one soul. There was a, a precious unity. It's a unity created by the Spirit of God. It's not because we're all in the same room that there's unity. Friends, this morning, it's a, it's a, it's a work of the Holy Ghost to gather the hearts of God's people together as one. And then it tells us these words, there was great power. Great power. You know that word great is the Greek word magus. It's the word where we get mega. you ever said the word mega? It's that word mega. It was mega power. Mega, dynamis, mega dynamite power was upon this early church. And they went out and preached the gospel. That power is miraculous power to give witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, to testify to preach, but not only to preach that signs and wonders would follow the preaching of the gospel. To them that believe, these signs will follow them. And there was great grace. The favor of God was upon them. The church began to grow, began to spread, even in persecution and everything that was coming against them. The favor of God, the divine favor of God was upon this early church, enabling them to live a life pleasing to the Lord. This was all in the face of a great enemy. This was all in the face of a great enemy that had rose up against the church, and it's very similar to the times of Gideon. If you would turn back with me this morning in the Gideon uh, in the Judges, sorry, chapter six, and we looked at Gideon last week, we know he's a man that has been seeking and praying and longing for the miracles of God. The enemy had been destroying their harvest, the increase, and he was trying to protect a little patch of his own from the enemy coming and. You heard his cry and his prayer unto the Lord. He's saying, Lord, where's all the great miracles that we've heard of? The great moves of the Spirit of God. The great revivals of the past. Like we're reading from Acts chapter 4 and right through history. The great moves of God. And in Gideon's heart, that's what he's he's calling out for. God, we've heard of your great glory of the past. But where is it in our day? Now, I believe that there are many like us that are, are calling out to the Lord in the same way. We have been, Lord, we need an intervention. We need you to come like you have come before. And the Lord meets with them. you remember. And he asked for his sign and he prepared that meal and the, and the staff and the fire and the indication that the angel of the Lord had met with Gideon. Then Gideon had a responsibility. We looked at that last week. You know, the Bible tells us that the Holy Ghost is given to them that obey. Obedience is a very important part of the gospels, but it's a very important part of a believer's life. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus is but to trust and obey. And so we looked at Gideon, remember? He had to pull down that, that, that altar that was the beal in his father's house that they have become familiar with, that it become something nearly a part of their custom. But that offended God. God was offended. And so Gideon obeys the Lord. You know, friends, I want to tell you, if God spoke to your heart last week, if God was dealing with your heart about an issue or something in your life that you need to deal with, and this week, Sunday morning, a whole week has passed and you haven't dealt with that, I want to tell you something, friend, this morning. God's not going to move any further until we deal with what God is dealing with. We need to deal with the things that God is speaking to us. And the blessing of the Lord will be upon your life. And so we see that Gideon has obeyed the Lord. He pulls down that altar to Baal. He destroys the grove. And then it says in Judges 6 and verse 33, if you look at it there, Judges 6 and 33, this is just after the pulling down of this altar. In Judges 6 and verse 33, this is what it says, Then all... You know, sometimes when you go to step out for the Lord, it's just that the time, the timing is also the same time that the enemy rises up even more. Times that you want to move forward in God, you make a fresh consecration, you're trusting the Lord, you're going to go all out for God, and then... You maybe pray that on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday morning or a Friday morning, but sometimes it happens in churches. God deals with your heart. And you go out to the church doors and you're fervent for the week ahead. And the next minute, the enemy comes in. Everything of hell rises up. It seems as though everything's going wrong. Can I tell you something? Everything's going right. Everything's going right. It says here, then, all the Midianites... And the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over, and they pitched in the valley of Jezreel. Here is an enemy that's coming up against Gideon. Here is an enemy that's rising up against the people of the Lord. The Scripture tells us that all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east are gathered together. If you go over to the next chapter, we get a little bit more detail of what that looked like. In Judges 7 and verse 12, it says these words, And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along the valley. And this is what it looked like. They were like grasshoppers for a multitude their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for a multitude. Here is an innumerable, as far as you could see, the enemy had rose up against Gideon and the people of God. If you looked into this valley, they were like grasshoppers. They were, their camels were without number. This huge army, this enemy of, of, of God had risen up against Gideon, this man that's calling out to God, And I I believe that Gideon is a representation of, of a people today all across this island and across this world that are longing for an intervention of God. They've been praying and seeking the Lord for a revival, for a move of the Spirit of God. And all the time we've been praying, and we have met with God, and we have had encounters with God. That that is without doubt, individually, collectively, God has been so gracious in meeting with us. And like many others across this island, we're not the only ones. There are people that are calling out to God for an intervention. God, would you move? Now as we've been praying and seeking the Lord, and God has still been moving, God has still been about His work, we have seen the enemy rise more and more and more and more and more. Isn't that true? It's just like if though we, as we are seeking the Lord and waiting on the Lord and believing the Lord, it seems then everything around us actually the wicked seem to triumph. The powers of hell are rising up. The powers of darkness and the the systems of this world, it seems to rise up, 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 and yet we're still calling out for the Lord. I want to encourage you something this morning, brothers and sisters. God is about to move. Know that all of these things that are happening is actually happening under the divine purpose and sovereign will of Almighty God. This is not happening by accident or coincidence or because the enemy's strong. He's been defeated at Calvary, but this is happening according to the divine counsel, breathed to will of Almighty God to fulfill His word. The Bible tells us a wonderful verse in Revelation chapter 17, if you want to go right over to it. Revelation chapter 17, because similar to Gideon and similar to the disciples of Acts chapter 4, I believe that we are now witnessing a time where the enemy is rising up to unprecedented levels like we've never seen it before. It hasn't been this way before. But know this, and this great chapter of Revelation chapter 17, it's an amazing chapter but just I'll pull out one verse and then I'll talk a little bit about it. But in Revelation 17 and 17, it says these words, For God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree, and to give their kingdom unto the beast, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. Everything of what is happening at this present time, everything of what we are looking at and seeing, it has all been set forth by God's eternal will to fulfill His will until the words of God are all fulfilled. God is in control. We chorus we used to sing, He's got it all in control. He's got my life in His hand. Praise the Lord. He's got everything in control this morning. In that great chapter of Revelation, chapter 17, I know there's a great diversity on the particulars, but in the overview of it, just this morning, it's important to note as it opens up, we have this tremendous picture. It is it is so so vivid that John is caught up in the spirit. It's a spiritual vision that the Lord reveals to John. And if you look at the opening verse, it says the first thing he sees is a great whore that's sitting upon many waters. I mean, it's so explicit, the language the great whore that's sitting upon uh, the, the many waters. Now, we know that the church, the bride of Christ is known in the feminine sense, the bride or a chaste version that will be uh, presented to the Lord. But then this particular woman, the great whore that uh, is sitting upon the waters, she has a name on her forehead. It's It's so profound. On her forehead... It says, Mystery Babylon the Great. Now Babylon, just so that you know, is from that word Babel. Babel, in its simplest form, so you understand what it is, rather than all the great detail of it and the diversity of that. But you remember the Tower of Babel? It was simply Babylon is rebellion to God. Everything that's part of Babylon is simply rebellion to God. Not as the systems, the kingdoms, and the organizations of all of this world—they're simply in rebellion to God. That's what it is. Babylon, this great, this great city, and this great system, is is rebellion to God. And we see here mystery Babylon the Great, and then it tells us that this whore is the mother of all harlots, or the mother of harlots. The word harlots is not she is the mother of harlots. She is the plural mother of all the harlots. That simply means, very simply this morning, that every every religious organization or cult or, or whatever comes under, whatever banner they want to come under, whatever name, everything of that is a counterfeit of the real. The church is the bride of Christ. Jesus is coming for the church of Jesus Christ. He's coming for her who is washed in the blood of Jesus. They have the garments of Christ upon her. She is ready. She is waiting. She is looking. And she is expecting the Savior to come, the bridegroom to come. And he's coming very soon. But he's coming for the church. Now, the church isn't the building. It isn't the denomination. It's those that are washed in the blood of Jesus. Are you born again? Then you've been translated, as Jeff said this morning, from, from the, the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And he's coming for his church out of every tribe, out of that little jungle, away out there in Borneo. Those little kids, we're going to meet them all in the air. And that's what he's coming for. But everything outside of that, doesn't matter what label it is, Doesn't matter even if they claim that they might be, I'm a Christian. It doesn't, it's not enough to say I am a Christian. You must be born again of the Spirit of God. So everything outside of that is a harlot system. Regardless of what it is, it's a harlot system. And there's the mother of all harlots. So we have the plural. And that includes the apostate Christian church, those that will fall away in the last days. Many will depart from the faith. And he said unto me, of course, in verse 15, the waters that you see where this harlot is upon the waters, where the whore is sitting, she sits upon the people and the multitudes and the nations and the tongues of the world. In other words, religion so oppressive it crushes the people. It fills them with fear. If I'm good enough, if I work hard enough, if I give enough to the poor, then maybe one day when I get to the pearly gates and Peter's standing there, Peter might let me through the gates because I've worked so hard, i prayed so hard. I've went and said all my prayers. I've done everything that I possibly can. And one day I'll get to the pearly gates. Did I do enough? I thank God this morning, friends. It's, n- it's not in our works, but it's in Christ alone. That when I get there that day, I'll get there not by anything or any good of me. I'll get there because my faith is in all of the work that he's done. Isn't that wonderful? That we're not by works, it's by the grace of God that we're saved. And many are going to pursue a life. That's what religion does. It's deceptive religion and we have it in Protestantism and Roman Catholicism and all the different religions and the Muslim faith and the Buddhist. Are you saying that all of those are the harlot system? Yes. Because their emphasis is not on the person of Christ and what he's done, the emphasis on what you're gonna do. But thank God this morning when our eyes are open, it's all on what he's done. So when I get there, we can say, I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and glory, He died for me. That's what it's all about, friends. But every other system of this world is a harlot system. The scripture is so blatant and and so explicit, a whore sitting upon the people, crushing the people that they have to work, that they have to do their things, that they have to, you didn't pay enough. You didn't give enough. You didn't sacrifice enough. You didn't pray long enough. You didn't... Some of them mark themselves and wound themselves. Some of these awful religions. In order that you might one day when you get there, you've done enough to get in. That's why the whore's sitting upon the people, crushing them. Crush, crushing them. It's so oppressive. And here we see this mother of harlots the waters that you see, verse 15, are peoples and multitudes, nations and tongues. Verse three says, if you go back to it in Revelation seventeen, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and then he sees the woman upon a scarlet colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. It's remarkable what what a revelation, what a vision. This woman now is upon a beast. Seven heads, ten horns. The seven heads are seven hills, the ten horns. Where is this? What is this? What has happened? Where is this relating to you? Is this something that's just language that we could never grasp or understand? Friends, I want to tell you, remember what the woman is? She's a counterfeit religion that oppresses the people. God, would you move by the Spirit of God. Would you open the eyes of those that are caught up in religion? It's so demonic, it's so devilish, it's so oppressive. The woman in verse 6, this woman is drunk with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the martyrs of the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing the great reformation, when when we come into the revelation again after a thousand years of darkness, when we come into that great reformation, When Luther kneeled his theses to the door, when he made a stand and the revelation came that we're saved by grace alone, brothers and sisters, do you know how many of our brothers and sisters in Christ have been martyred for their faith? Fifty million brothers and sisters were slaughtered by the Roman Catholic Church because of this simple thing. I don't have to pay to get into heaven. I don't have to give. I don't have to crawl. I don't have the blood, sweat, and tears. I don't have to make sure that I've I've done enough to get there. Thank God it's by grace alone. May God open the eyes of so many precious souls within the religious denominations that are lost, but lost sitting in chapels and churches. And the woman's drunk. The woman, the mother of all the false religions, And then the beast. Now listen carefully about the beast. The beast which thou sawest. It says in verse eight, "And is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit." The the beast is from the bottomless pit. Anyone know where the bottomless pit is? It's hell itself. That's exactly where it's from. It's from it's from hell. Have you ever looked at some of the stuff that's going on in the news and said that's just from hell? I'm telling you, that's where it is from. That's just not a coin of phrase. That's the truth. What we're seeing today, it's from hell itself. Now, the beast, according to Revelation 13, we also know it receives its power from the dragon. Who is the dragon? Anyone know who the dragon is? You can call it out this morning. You can wake up. Who's the dragon? It's the devil. So the beast in these last days is inspired by the dragon himself. And he rises up out of the sea, progressively rising. It, this does not happen. It's a progressive rise. You see it coming up out of the sea. The governing bodies of the world will be inspired and driven, and they don't even know it. It's so important, friends, when, when we get personalities and we see them representing some of these organizations, and we're going, that's just from hell. But he needs saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? Those men in those positions and those women, most of them, not all, but most of them don't even know why they're there or what they're doing. Why? Because they're being inspired and they're blinded by the devil himself. So if you look at all the systems, not to go into it all, but I just want to mention some of them this morning. When you see that United Nations, you see the World Health Organization, you see all of the what is the other ones? The, the World Economic Forum, the International Monetary Fund, the, the World Health Organization, the G8, the G20, gwis I don't know how many there is, but there's loads of them. And all these systems that are rising up and the, the World Trade Organization, the Federal Reserve, the World Bank, all of it, friends. So when we're looking at all of that, you have to know that's just all part of one thing. That's the beast. It's rising, stronger, and stronger in the kingdoms of this world. You know, someone, Carl, sent me a wee thing the other day that Jerry Adams is part of the World Economic Forum. Jerry Adams! And I read his wee bio, and he's an author, and he loves Gaelic sports, and, uh, he's helped peace in Northern Ireland. Next thing he's going to be Santa Claus and Dobbies. But don't be shocked. Don't be shocked by these things. This is what the Lord has determined in His will that will rise in these days because these will all make war with the Lamb and the Lamb shall overcome them for He is the Lord of lords and He is the King of kings. And they that are with them are called, and they're chosen, and they're faithful. They will all gather together like the Midianites and the Amalekites. But friends, I want to tell you something this morning. God will destroy Babylon. It'll all collapse. And if we're trusting in this world and its system, friends. You're going to be disappointed. But I'm thankful this morning that we were a part of another kingdom. What a gathering. And I believe we're living in a day like Gideon's day where all around us we're seeing the rise of the kingdoms of this world. We're seeing the false religion. We're seeing the mother of all harlots that still has her tentacles that run throughout all the systems and the kingdoms of this world. And the beast is rising. Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of east are like grasshoppers, their camels are without number as the sand by the sea of the multitude. And they're all against this one thing, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they're against. No matter what it is, friends, that's what they're against. These crazy climate people, they're against the church. They think they're doing something for the climate. But I want to tell you where climate really begins, in the beginning God created. You'll not find one of them that believes that. It's rebellion. It's rebellion to God. But Paul says these things. What shall we say to these things? If God's for us, who can be against us? God's building his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The enemy was at his strongest, rose up in all his power, just like he is today. But verse 34 of Judges chapter 6, I want you to turn to it. Because I believe this is the answer and this is the key. And something inside our hearts are stirred for the reality of this. Judges 6 and verse 34, just the opening few words of that great verse. The Bible says this, But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. I'm going to say it again. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Gideon. Just like in Acts chapter four, just like in Acts chapter two, just like in days gone by, there was an intervention by Almighty God. The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. There is a moment, there is an intervention, there is, there is this time that suddenly in the midst of it all, when it seems like the enemy was at his strongest, that the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Gideon. I pray this morning, brothers and sisters, I pray this morning that in God's predetermined counsel and wisdom, can you imagine, can you even begin to think that if God had planned and purposed this morning and this very morning and this very day, that he would write history by simply saying that the Spirit of the Lord fell in Balmahinch, that God before this service is out, that God before this day is over, that God had predetermined this day, this time, this hour, and for you and for me to be here for the Spirit of the Lord to come upon us. What would that be like What would that be? Is there anyone desires that to happen? Is there an expectancy even within the church? We see so much of what the enemy's doing that we lose track, that God's got everything in control, and that at a moment that God would pour out His Spirit upon His people, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon as the answer for the Holy Ghost to come upon the church of Jesus Christ. I don't care what men say or what they think. I'm not interested in what the theologians arguing against us is, but what I know is there's a reality of God, that God would come down upon his people, and that has been the cry. you find this cry throughout all of this book that men call out to God. They begin to long for God. They intervene. Is there anyone longing for an intervention? anyone pleading before the throne of grace, God, we need an intervention in our nation. Lord, we need a move of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we need you to come down. Lord, the enemy has had his way. The powers of darkness have risen up. Lord, we need you to come by your mighty power. How many people know God is on the throne? The cry in our hearts is, God, would you do it again? The cry of my heart, the cry of our hearts, I know in this fellowship is, Lord, we need you to come down. We need the Holy Ghost. We need you to come upon us, just like you did with Gideon. Lord, would you move in mighty power? Would you come upon your church again? That's the answer to this nation, the church of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Ghost and the gospel. That's the answer. Nothing else, friends the psalmist would cry out, Oh, how long will thou forget us, O Lord? Forever will you hide your face from us? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart? How long will the enemy be exalted over us? The psalmist says, Lord, how long will thou look on, rescue our souls from destruction and our lives from the lion? He said in Psalm 94, he says, O Lord, to whom vengeance belongs, O oh God, to whom vengeance belongs, show yourself. Lift up thyself, thy judge of the earth. Render reward to the pride. Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things? And all the workers of iniquity boast themselves. How long? The cry is, how long? But then God answers. What a moment that is. What a moment when God responds to the cry of his people. What a moment when God intervenes. What a moment when God takes the field. What a moment when God arises and his enemies are scattered. What a moment when mel- mountains melt at his presence. God, how long? Gideon has had his encounter with the angel. Gideon has had a sign. Gideon has pulled down the altar, that altar to Baal. And now the enemy's risen up. And friends, I believe that the answer to all of this is the same Holy Ghost that came upon Gideon and the same Holy Ghost that came upon Jesus when he came up out of the waters and the same Holy Ghost that was on that early church in Acts chapter 2 and the same Holy Ghost that was upon them in Acts chapter 4 as the same Holy Ghost that we need this morning. The same Holy Ghost. Jesus set forth the pattern for the church in Matthew chapter 3, I want you to remain with me just for a, a few moments, but in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, says, when Jesus was baptized, straightway he came up out of the water, verse 16, and the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. And lighting upon him, a lower voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Here is the pattern that is set for us all. Jesus set forth the pattern, the eternal Son, when his earthly ministry is about to begin, where he went about, anointed of the Holy Ghost, healing all that were sick, delivering all that were oppressed of the devil. Do you want me to tell your friends what the answer is to the world around us? Men and women full of the Holy Ghost, healing all that are sick, and delivering all that are oppressed of the devil and preaching the gospel to the kingdom to the four corners of the world. It's the gospel. the anointing of God, but God, the Holy Ghost, came upon him. Jesus, the eternal Son, sets forth the pattern in baptism in water, but we need the anointing of God upon our lives. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost to come upon us just like he did upon the Lord Jesus Christ, just like he did when Jesus said, tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Just like they waited and tarried and prayed and longed, and then suddenly the Holy Ghost comes. We need another Pentecost, we need a reality of God, not a denomination, but the power of the living God. In Acts chapter 4, they gathered in again. Some say Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost fell and came upon them, that's when they were born again. I want to tell you, friends, Jesus breathed upon them. In the gospel of John, and they received the Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 2, he filled them all. And if that was their born-again experience, then they were getting born again, and born again, and born again, and born again, again. It's theologically incorrect. They were filled again with the Holy Ghost, because we need refilled. We need to be filled, and filled, and filled, and filled, and walk in the Spirit. There is a river of life that flows out of us. Jesus said, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. We need the living waters to flow. We need the Holy Ghost to come upon us. Yes, the powers of darkness are rising. Yes, the kingdoms of this world and all their personality. And the ten kings without a kingdom. Maybe that's those wealthy men that are coming together. The, what do you call your boy? has the cars. Telsa, what's his name? I forget all their names. And then the other wee father that runs Facebook, he's a strange looking dude. Super. Aye, that's him, yes. That's the boy. Zuckerberger, whatever they are in Amazon. Maybe that's the ten kings with no kingdoms. It's all their power. But I want to tell your friends, there's a greater power that they all have. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. God moving by his mighty power, a church triumphant, not trusting in ourselves or trusting in our abilities or talents or anything, friends, but a people full of the Holy Ghost and have the gospel of the kingdom set to oppress free. Deliver those that are filled with the devil. I want to tell you, friends, there's a world all around us and they're demon-possessed. They're filled with the devil. That's not just in India or Africa. You just go outside these doors today, you'll find many in Balnehan. They need the gospel of the kingdom of God. That comes by a people that are full, that the Holy Ghost has come upon them. And surely we cry, I cry, oh Lord, how long? How long? How long, Lord? We need to see a demonstration of the kingdom. We need to see the reality of the kingdom. We need to see a people moving in the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, we see the types and the shadows. In Numbers chapter 11, we see that Moses is instructed and given wisdom by his father-in-law that he should spread the work and give it to the 70 elders. It tells us there in verse 17 of Numbers 11, God said, I will come down and talk with thee. Remember, Moses is the mediator of that old covenant, but the, the types and the shadows are all the same. He says, I will come down, I will take of the spirit which is upon you and I will put it on them and they will bear the burden of the people with thee. Thou shalt not bear it thyself. We need the Holy Ghost to come upon us to carry the whole work forward in the name of the Lord. verse 25, look what happens. It's amazing. The Lord came down in a cloud and speak unto him, and took of the Spirit that was upon him, gave it to the seventy elders. And it came to pass that when the Spirit rested on them, they began to prophesy. Here's seventy men all prophesying because the Holy Ghost has come upon them. But there remained two of the men in the camp. Their names were Eldad and Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them. And they were of them that were written, but not went out onto the tabernacle. But there was a couple that remained. This couple remained in the camp. They're so full of the Holy Ghost. They're prophesying. They remained in the camp. Now there was a religious young man in a sail. He runs to Moses and says, these guys are prophesying down in the camp. Should we stop them? Joshua, the son of Nun, says, Lord, forbid them. Do you know what Moses said? Listen to these words. Moses said, Envious thy not for my sake. Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets. Would to God that every person that's saved in this room, that the Spirit of the Lord would come upon every one of us and would all foretell and foretell of the great things the Lord has done. That's the, that's the work of the Holy Ghost. You imagine whatever amount of people in here that are saved this morning. And by the end of this service, you can be saved if you're not. But the Holy Ghost to come upon you. And every one of us went outside and we began to prophesy as the Spirit of God is upon us. To tell the great things that the Lord has done. Do you think that would cause a wee bit of a stir in the sleepy religious town of Balnehenge? Do you think that that might cause something of a bit of a stir that you find us on the marketplace, you find us on Main Street, you find us up, out, outside Lydell, you find us down in Newcastle along the Strand, you find us all over the place, and what we're doing is proclaiming the great things that the Lord has done. Praise the Lord. That's what the Holy Ghost will do when he comes. If we think it's all going to be wrapped up in a little service in an hour, and then it's all over and everybody home, it's not going to be that way, friends. God's going to break out. God's going to break the binds of religious systems, even ours. The Holy Ghost upon us all. And they're all prophesying the same Spirit, the same Holy Ghost, the same Spirit that was upon Jesus in that earthly ministry, the same Holy Ghost. We read there this morning, when they had prayed... I want you to listen. Just a few minutes, will be closed, because something wonderful happens when the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Such a profound thing that takes place. When they prayed, the place was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They speak the Word of God with boldness. And the old hymn writer says, Oh, for a deluge of Holy Ghost power. Lord, we are waiting. Send it this hour. Oh, for a deluge. Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Those two words, came upon, are found over a hundred times in the Hebrew. It's one of the most beautiful thoughts. He came upon. You'll find it way back in Genesis... When the Lord found Adam and Eve and they realized that they were naked, it says that the Lord God did make coats of skin. And it says, and he clothed them. He clothed them. We read it of Aaron and his holy garments that thou shalt put on the holy garments and sanctify it that he may minister in the priest, priest office and bring his sons and his sons will be clothed with coats. When the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, the Lord clothed them. Was he the Lord's? Was he a man of faith? Had he met with the Lord? Was he obeying the Lord? But then there's this moment that the Lord came down and the Lord clothed them. In Second Chronicles, when they were coming out from the great outpouring of the Spirit of God, the Levites, were, which were the singers, came, and they were arrayed. There's the same word again, Second Chronicles 5 and 12. They were arrayed in white linen, and they had cymbals and psalteries and harps and stood at east end of the altar, and with them 120 priests sounded with the trumpets. When he clothed his people... It's like God comes down and there's a sense that we've been naked or we're missing something. That there's something that we didn't have. Yes, we're fully justified, we're fully saved. It's not our salvation, it's a work of God. Remember, it's nothing to do with our works. But there's something that we know that we're we seem to be naked in some way. We don't have the power of Acts chapter 4 being manifested. That's what I mean. We don't have the the power. Now Jesus said, these things you'll do and greater things than these. When he walked this earth in human form in a body full of the Holy Ghost, because he was given the Spirit without measure according to John 3 and 34, but we're something of this last generation church that we're actually missing something. Would anyone agree? There's something of a lack that we don't necessarily... Let me tell you, friends, I want to be the first to say, I believe that of me. I believe that of me. If no one else, if you all have it, but I believe that of me, there's something of a lack. And the psalmist says, Arise, O Lord, into thy rest, thou in the ark of thy strength. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness and let the saints shout for joy. That's that came upon Spirit of God came upon him. You remember what a, what a story this is. You remember Zechariah chapter three. We see Joshua, the high priest, and there he is. He's standing and he's standing in filthy garments. You know, I want to tell you something this morning. You come through this room and everybody's looking really well, dressed really well. Everybody's washed and made up and everything just come into the house of God and everyone's looking well on the outward. But you could have come through those doors this morning and you're more like Joshua. You're more like Joshua. And there he's standing before the Lord and the devil's standing there and saying, you're not worthy. Here are you? Look at your filthy clothes. Not on the outward, but your filthy, those filthy clothes. Let me tell you, friend, this morning, if we're not saved, if we don't know the Lord as our own impersonal Savior, it doesn't matter how religious we are. Those rags in the sight of God, they're just filthy rags. Or sin, or shame, or brokenness. There's people sitting here this morning, you're sitting in filthy rags. You know what the Lord said? I want you to take off those old clothes because I have a garment that I want you to put on. The righteousness of Christ when he saves us. He prayed it this morning. When he saves us, when his righteousness is put upon us, When he covers us, he takes away the old. The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. I tell you, friends, it's all Christ. You see, when the church is closed, this is what Paul said. He says that knowing the time, that now is high time for us to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. It's very close to the end. It's very close to the end. Very close. It's good to see people getting saved as we're coming into the end. Isn't it? It's encouraging to see them coming in. Twos or threes, but pray there would be dozens and hundreds and even more. But we're coming close to the end and they need to come. The night's far spent. It's nearly up. That's what it's saying. The day is at hand. Then it says, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But you know what he says? He says, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Know what that means? See when the Spirit of God, this is what happens. See when the Spirit of God comes upon like he came upon Gideon. See when the Spirit of God comes down and comes upon us individually and collectively as a church. Do you know what he clothes us in? Jesus. Do you know what the world see? Jesus. That's why when the church was so full, they said, these men, what did they see? They've been with Jesus. We're clothed with Him and then we walk in Him. We live and we move and we have our being. Friends, I want to tell you, the devil fears only one thing, a church that's clothed with the Holy Ghost. Because that's a church that's walking and living and moving in the power of the Holy Ghost and all that's seen is Jesus. I want to tell you, friends, this devil fears Jesus. I tell you, this world fears, doesn't fear religion. They actually want more religion. And it's all going to come together under that one mother. They're all going to come together. They'll all link up. They'll all have their little ecumenical get together and do all what they're going to do. But friends, what they all fear is a manifestation of this Christ. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. May God come upon us all this morning. May the power of the Holy Spirit fall in this room. Because the only hope and the only answer is a church full of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together this morning.